Part Seventeen of Alador by Henry Newbolt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapters forty nine to fifty one. Chapter forty nine. How Ewan was excommunicate after the custom of Palador. Little enough thought Ewan of the anger of those great ones, for he held himself to have outreasoned them, and he perceived not how by his cunning the archbishop had entrapped him before witnesses of repute but enya perceived it and more for ewan told her some deal and other deal she divined of herself and when she had considered a little she bade him make haste and do those things for which he came and look not to be long unharassed of his enemies for that they had fastened an ill quarrel upon him by no chance but by intent and they were such as would follow their craft so he went about the town, busily seeking out all those which were friends to Hubert, and all those which were haters of evil custom. And he found some, and persuaded other, and thought to have made good way. And this time also he perceived how he was favoured of the commons of Palador, for he discoursed to them hotly, and they were ever assotted on discourse and a burning tongue. And on a day he came down to the door of his house, to go forth into the city, and there came to his ears a sound of a bell tolling, and of a multitude of people going all one way. And he hastened and came to the end of the street, and found them passing by, for they were going toward the market-place. And he perceived that in the middle was a train of some sort, walking by two and by two, and there went a great bell before them and beside them the multitude ran and jostled under the walls of the street. And Ewan joined himself to them, for he was willing to know of their dealing. And for the thickness of the crowd he could not see what was to the forward, but only he perceived that in the train were many great ones of the company of the tower. Then he spoke to a man that was beside him in the crowd, and he asked of him what might be the meaning of the concourse and of the tolling, for the bell was of a right dolorous sound, but among the people was no sadness at all. And the man answered him, Well, you may ask, as I also have asked but a moment since, for the like of this hath not happed within my memory, and the concourse is all to see and to hear the archbishop a cursing, and the bell also is part of the cursing, for it betokens that he which is cursed should be, as it were, buried out of sight and fellowship. Then Ewan remembered Hubert, and his heart rose, and he asked again, Whom then will they curse, and for what cause? And the man answered, He is one Ewan, and I know him well. And the cause is a true cause, for he is a blasphemer of the faith, a dealer in dreamage and all manner of sorceries. And at that saying Ewan was astonished and said no more, for he had thought to hear speak of Hubert, and not of himself and he went forward strongly through the press, and came out into the market-place, and stood upon a step under an archway, and looked forth over the heads of the multitude. And he saw the train there before him, and in the forefront were an hundred of the company of the tower, wearing their livery of black, with a golden tower thereon. And after them came an hundred of clergy, apparelled in black clothes and white, and an hundred doctors of the schools, with gowns of diverse colours. And the archbishop was robed in a silken robe of crimson, with a great hat of the same, and before him went two, with candles in hand, and one with a bell. 
so they came upon the place in seemly order and they halted there and departed into two lines the one over against the other and the archbishop passed through and stood upon the steps of the great hall and he held up his hand and immediately the bell ceased from tolling and they of the multitude were hushed from their babble then came seven clergy before the archbishop having seven great candles in their hands and they stood and set light to them and held them aloft and when all the people had perceived their dealing then they threw down the candles upon the ground and trod out the flame of them and as they trod them they cried against them out out accursed until all were quenched then the archbishop stood forth with staff in hand and he bade all men to know and to make known how that ewan was thenceforth cut off from the company of all men living and from the company of all the faithful dead and under pain of the like sentence he ordained that none should give him neither shelter nor speech nor food nor fellowship nor any means of life nor burial after death and when he had so said he went solemnly out from the place and all his train followed after him and last of all went he that had the bell a tolling dolorously chapter fifty how ewan and enya came to aladore the last time as in this transitory life now ewan was known of none for he was in a sure place and looked forth above the heads of the multitude but he perceived all that was done and none better and he understood right well the evil malice and craft of his enemies and his heart was pricked therewith as with the poison of wasps and the tolling of the bell he regarded not neither the treading of the candles for he held such things to be shows to frighten fools but the curses and the sentences and all the words of the archbishop those stung his blood and made bitterness in his throat then he thought to get some comfort of the people which were round about him and he went forward a little and mingled with them and heard their talk and at the first he had some pleasure of them for there was not one in twenty but was making merry with no saving of reverence no not of the archbishop himself but therewith came displeasure that he also was but lightly accounted of for the most part of the crowd made no distinction but they cheapened the sin with the punishment and the best that he could find was this that the young and lean men were for him and the old and fat against him for in palador the old dream not save it be of gold and gluttony and with this he was but ill content for they which are young in that city are no more than one in three and they are of small account seeing that the best of them are banished so he left that and came away covertly to his own house and he found enya therein and told her of all he had seen and heard and of the pain which he had in his heart of this he told her not but she perceived it by the manner of his speaking for she knew his thought as it were by touch and not by words and she said to him it is no marvel if you are in pain for there is no venom in nature like to the venom of speech and many times it will work madness in the blood but there is good magic against it as i shall show you presently for this is a woman's gift from the time out of mind and bethink you also how their curses are no better than their ceremonies and both alike folly for they are but tokens and have in them no power to make good 
Nay, said Ewan, but they have this power, that they hurt where they are aimed. For in another man's case I had never regarded them, but when they struck my own name, then they pierced and rankled. And thereat he cast down his eyes, and fell into a weariness. And Enya came to him, and stood beside him where he sat, and she took his head between her arms, and drew it in upon her breast. And immediately the bands of his weariness were loosed, and his spirit was rocked in a sure hold, as a young child is rocked by his mother. And he shut to his eyes, and remembered no more the things which were done against his peace. Then he opened his eyes again, and he saw how that he stood in a meadow of flowers, and the flowers were king-cups and lady-smocks, and other such as are chiefly loved of children. And among the flowers there ran a little brook, and in the brook were minnows going all one way like boats upon a wind. And it seemed to Ewan that it were worth all other joys if he might take but one minnow in his naked hand. And not far off from him stood a little maid and called to him, and she called him to come home, for it was time. And he knew that she was his sister, that was his elder by two years, and it was in his mind to obey her, but not yet. Then he stretched out his hand, and stooped forward above the brook, and he snatched suddenly at a minnow that was there, and the sedge yielded beneath him, and he fell with his arms upon the water, and immediately he came to his feet again, and stood upon the meadow. But he was all bedabbled and bedrenched, and he feared to be chidden, and his fear burst forth from him, and he wept. Then the maid that was his sister came to him and stood beside him, and took his head between her arms, and drew it in upon her breast. And he shut to his eyes, and immediately his fear was stayed, and the water was dried upon his arms and upon his feet, and his heart was comforted. And he opened his eyes again, and looked about him, and he saw the place wherein he was, and the place was changed, and was become Alador. And he sat by the margent of the sea, where he had been aforetime, and Enya was there beside him to his solace. And he said to her, O oh, my beloved, what enchantment is this that you have used? For I have been a child again, and in great grief concerning little things. And I have been comforted with the comfort of my mother, and of my sister, which are long since dead and gone from me. And Enya stooped over him, and kissed him, and said, Even so, beloved, and this enchantment is no marvel, seeing that it is common with them which are lovers of men. For it is the gift of a woman, and an heritage from the time that is out of mind. Chapter 51 Of two cities that were builded diversely, and how Ewan and Enya heard a horn blown over sea for battle. Then said Ewan, Doubtless your saying is true, and well have I proved the gift. Yet I marvel notwithstanding, for a man may wonder in despite of knowledge. And there is one matter concerning which I am still perplexed. And Enya said to him, Say on. And he said to her, I am perplexed between two verities, for there is one truth of Palador and another of Alador, and though they be diverse, yet they both have by seeming the nature of truth veritable and many times my mind is in doubt concerning them. For in our life that now is, we come and go between two realms, and I would that I might know which of them shall outdure other. And Enya asked him, 
after what manner seem these verities to you and he answered o beloved now am i with you in aladore and all things else and all men and all places are but as shadows cast by this our life and we move them as we will and as we will we take away their being but when i am alone and dwelling yonder among men then have those shadows truth of substance and of touch and the life of aladore becomes an image in the mind as it was aforetime when i saw it as a cloud in heaven then enya was silent a space and fear came into her eyes and afterwards she spoke suddenly and said o oh, my beloved keep innocency for to a child these things are plain and you were a child this moment past and i with you and wherefore now should we cloud our wisdom with a doubt and she rose up and said to him let us play a game together as children that play upon the shore for here is sand enough and loneliness and the tide returning and we will build us two cities and see which of the two shall best endure and you shall build your city with your hands and name it palador and you shall make it in all things like to the city that you know with a high steep seaward and a wall and a gateway and towers thereon and i also will make a city and name it alador and i will make it after the same fashion but not of the same substance for i will not build it with hands but with a power of the spirit so ywain took of the wet sand and of the dry and he built him a great mound after the manner of children and when he had made it strong then he carved it into the likeness of a city with a high steep and a wall and towers thereon and it stood upon the shore and looked out seaward and he named it palador for it was fashioned in no other wise and the tide came running toward the edges of the steep then ywain said to enya this is my city o my playfellow and i marvel that yours is not yet a building but enya answered him not for she was singing a song of witchery and she sang in a low voice and sweet and as she sang she weaved a witch-knot upon the air with both her hands and immediately there came a little mist upon the shore and the mist drew upward from the sand and hung in one place upon the air like smoke and so it continued the while enya sang her song and when she had ceased from her singing then ywain saw the mist no more for it was clean vanished and in the place thereof was another mound and another city in semblance like unto the first and those two cities were nigh together upon the shore and the tide came about them both by little and little and ywain and enya stood still and looked upon the tide and it came running and lapping more fiercely and the froth of it began to foam upon the edges of the mounds and the water gnawed upon the sand of the one city and that was ewan's and the walls and towers of it began to crumble and to crack and at the last they were perished wholly as by ruin of time and the tide flowed over them and they were gone but with enya's city it was not so for the sea bit not upon it nor overflowed it but it stood above the water until the turning of the tide and ewan came near to touch it but he could not for it was but mist between his fingers and he left it alone and stood and looked upon it again and it endured as rock notwithstanding it was builded of a song then he said to enya the game is naught for you have played it by no fair hazard but by enchantment and she answered him not so 
for by this same enchantment is Alador upbuilded and sustained, and that is the truth of it. And she looked into his eyes, and her spirit entered into him, and they twain were one spirit. And the dusk began to fall about them, and peace therewith, for they were in their own place beyond time and tide. But in that moment came change upon Ewan, for a sound was in his ears, and the sound was the sound of a horn blown over sea, and in the hearing of it all the blood of his body leapt furiously up to battle. End of part seventeen.